0: Welcome to another episode of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungy here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. My name is Tyler Fornes, and I don't know if you know this, but women are Fred's favorite guys. How are you, sir?
2: I'm doing all right. How are you?
0: Oh my gosh, that music video came out. Um, yeah. You don't know what we're talking about. You got to check it out. Um, I, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, no, I'm not pulling it up. It reminds me of every... Good and bad, it's the like techno song from the late '90s, early 2000s, like that the the Euro like techno pop phase, and it's just phenomenal. A uh, Planet of the Bass. Oh, ah, so good, so good. Fred, how are you? I'm doing all right.
2: Uh, just uh, you know, making it, trying to keep my head above
0: water, which uh, this dynamite did not, brother. No, it did not. But you know what it is keeping your head above water? You did something special this past week.
2: Yeah, there is uh we have a new hungry cat. Uh Mavis has joined the uh the clan and uh she uh she's a little bundle of delight that also will not stop meowing. So I'm only mildly surprised she's not around right now to try to add to the show. She probably will make a run in at some point and uh, do that. But yeah, so yeah, she's pretty great.
0: That's awesome. I'm, I'm very happy for you and Nicole. And if you can hear in the background, I have both dogs sitting next to me playing, which is a wonderful sight as we have now had eclair for one month as of this recording. It's she is She's starting to run. She's starting to like... Be really vocal, and it's it's wonderful to see how much she's changed and gotten happier over the past month. So, but we have to talk about this fucking atrocious company right now, and let's start with the man himself, Cookie Monster Punk. And oh boy, oh boy, Fred, is there a lot to talk about? He is back on his bullshit, uh, buddy, Mult- isn't he? There's going to be multiple multiple people reporting on this. Okay, fightful. Joe Lanza from the Flagship Patreon, um, the Nick Hausman from House of Wrestling, Dave the Meltzer. Pro Wrestling Torch, Dave Meltzer. We're going to just credit everybody right now and and try to try to piece people in as we know like hundred percent they were the first ones. Okay, this is from Fightful. Now, now we're just gonna go through this and then we're gonna bury the living crap out of this. All right. CM Punk and Jack Perry argued while Perry's desire to use actual glass at one of the Canadian collision shows in an angle. Um, Punk was against it and thought Perry was throwing a temper tantrum and also didn't want to have to work the next week, which Punk thinks is a huge problem in the company. This was before the AEW safety list was leaked. Brian Alvarez countered that and said he had heard that Punk had the next week off already and wanted to do the spot involving a car's windshield to be taken off TV. Uh, let's stop here. <laughs> Perry already had the week off. He wanted mm-hmm. to write himself off TV by doing an angle with a mm-hmm. car and a yeah.
2: windshield. Taking a windshield
0: bump, right? Who cares? God, punk sucks. <laughs> this, wh- what are we doing? Okay. Uh, if you're part of the safety police and you want these guys to be extra safe, I I don't know how to respectfully tell you this, so I'm just going to tell you. It's pro wrestling. Deal with it. Like these guys already know the risks that, that they're putting their bodies through. They understand what glass shards can do. They understand what taking head drops and tombstones and pile drivers and DDTs can do to their the compression in their neck. They already understand all these risks. If they want to do it, let them do it. It's their art form. They, like This whole, oh, I'm, I'm just not gonna let you do it. Well, The only reason you don't let somebody do it is, oh, they literally did a glass angle in the the segment before. You don't want to double up that kind of stuff. So I can understand saying no. But if you want to be written off TV with a glass angle to help advance a storyline, I don't know. That sounds pretty dope to me, Fred.
2: (laughs) I I will say that uh, I (laughs) am slightly on the side of the uh, safety brigade in the sense that I think glass is just really risky if it's not like a, you know, a safety class, you know, kind of gimmick deal.
0: Um, So I will not. But Fred, Fred, Fred. Jack Perry is a grown adult who understands the risks and knows what he's getting into. This isn't like, let's say, head of talent relations, Christopher Daniels, pitching the idea to Jack Perry, and Jack Perry saying no. This is the guy wanting to do it himself.
2: Yeah. Uh now the company I, I feel like is perfectly uh fair to for them to say, look, man, let's not. Um and I think that's a perfectly reasonable policy to have. Um
0: Sure, if Tony Khan just... wants to say it, he's boss man, he is the head booker, he approves everything that goes on TV. Punk should shut his fucking mouth.
2: It is very odd, I will say, that uh that Punk is the one making this call, but we'll see some more, uh, some more dick waving, or you know, from CM Punk oh in the god. not too distant
0: future. Oh my god, I'm uh, I'm gonna lose it in this segment. I've already gone off the rails. Neither, right? Yeah, you've got RAF. so yeah, I I have, but I also got woken up at 6 a.m. because E Claire had to poop. So that's part of it. All right, let's go to more CM Punk weird stuff. Cut kind a of weird post-collision promo about Adam Page. Called him a, quote, peg warmer, unquote. And if you've ever walked through the cereal aisle of your local grocery store, you see these little, like, you'll, you'll have, like, ping pong balls or other trinkets hanging from, it looks like a plastic strip. Well, that's that's what he's referring to, those little pegs. They hang, stuff hangs on them. And he referred this because no one buys his toys and says he doesn't move merch in attempt to do a worked promo. This comes after um, Paige was supposed to report to the Greensboro Coliseum to come do a promo, but then as he arrives, and he lives uh, after doing um, Mike Spears of the Volpen in the Voice Game podcast doing some research. He lives approximately an hour and a half from Greensboro as he's built from Aarons Creek, Virginia. Mm-hmm. That means that he drove an hour and a half to basically be told, no, you're not going to do it. At the Greensboro Coliseum, which, I don't know, sounds pretty shitty. So this follows up with more because um, Punk has apparently removed people from the building before. Ryan Nemeth has been removed from the building. Christopher Daniels, head of talent relations. uh, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy have all been sent off from collision in in prior weeks for different reasons the reason why christopher daniels matt hardy and isaiah cassidy have been sent off is because punk didn't want them causing drama you know why because they're friends with the bucks brandon cutler isn't isn't expected to be on any of these shows either (sighs) this is all so
2: stupid it's really dumb. Uh, Sean Sedor uh, mentioned earlier in the, the writer slack uh, that also uh, Meltzer on the latest Wrestling Observer Radio uh, mentioned that they were doing Ring of Honor matches after Dynamite. Um, yeah. Uh, Ryan Nemeth, Christopher Daniels, Cole Cabana, and Brandon Cutler all taped matches on there. Um and that's kind of interesting because Ring of Honor usually gets taped before or after collision. So
0: yeah, it look the whole thing stinks, and Odie is trying to literally bite Eclair's cheek, and it's driving me nuts. Um you need to you need to let me take it
2: for a couple seconds so you can handle no, it. No, I I've right,
0: cool. got it. It I mean that's just how they play. He yeah. like he kind of bites her cheek a little bit it's it's fine that's it's, a treat it's yeah it's it, it's just one of those things so when i kind of look at all this punk is a little baby back bitch he's just a baby fred he, like you are a fucking adult in a professional company I don't care if it's wrestling. Like, look, we know wrestling has its own unique environments and its own challenges. You have to work with these people. Like, get over it.
2: Yeah. um, All right, here's my takes on it in general. First of all, the thing that is clearly, like, the, the most insane thing to come out of this is the report that Christopher Daniels, was sent home from a prior collision by CM Punk, uh, specifically under the uh, theory that well, if uh, Ace Steele can't be at collision, then why should Christopher Daniels be allowed to be there? He was also involved in the incident, which kind of never, you know, like completely disregards the fact that Ace Steele was in there having himself uh, a Kenny Omega burger. While Christopher Daniels was trying to break up the fight by all reports. So, and not biting people. <laughs> so, like, it's just really kind of an absurd bit of reasoning there. And I think the most egregious considering Christopher Daniels is the head of talent relations for AEW. And the idea that CM Punk is uh, just, you know, stepping up and saying we can't let him in here because he's, uh, I don't like him. You know that's wild. That is truly one of the wildest things I've ever heard, and uh, it, like just can't be. Uh, I can't. I can't justify that. I don't think there's any real, reasonable way to justify that. Um. Okay, let's get to the the Ryan Neema thing. So Ryan was sent home from the Greensboro collision. Uh, because Ryan Nemeth uh, tweeted literally the softest man alive after Punk's return promo on the debut collision. Now, I think that was, uh, if not literally what John Moxley said in that promo after CM Punk got injured slash freaked out and all out last year. Um, it was kind of like a summation of some, some parts of the John Moxley promo. Um, so... CM Punk um, thought that he was sucking up to the Young Bucks. And obviously, Nemeth is close with the Young Bucks. If you watch Being the Elite, he's got like five-minute segments on there every week. Um, But he, um, you know, for CM Punk wanting to avoid drama, he he reportedly uh, confronted Ryan Nemeth face-to-face at the one single dynamite that CM Punk was at. And reports vary, but may or may not have challenged him to a fight that night. Um, it seems you know extremely. It's very on brand for CM Punk to be bothered by a months old like a, a tweet that is two months old at this point or whatever it is. To the point that he would, uh, I guess at that point it would have been like one one month, maybe three weeks, uh, that he would hunt someone down to confront them specifically, like low man on the totem pole, Ryan Namath. Um, so that's all very bizarre. Uh, report that Matt Hardy was sent home as well as Isaiah Casty. Now the Isaiah Casty thing has been pointed out as happening basically because Isaiah Casty was there because of Matt Hardy, and just sounds like he was secondary to uh the Hardy trip home. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, we have all of this stuff going on. Um, and of course, CM Punk got what really led to Brawl out was CM Punk getting extremely upset by uh a work shoot promo that Adam Page was trying to do, uh, you know, back in the build for their world title match and uh, upsetting CM Punk. That was a major factor. But, you know, now we have an off-air CM Punk promo that's trying to shoot his own, own angle uh, like he's a luchador, uh, like he's Roosh, uh trying to work AAA and CML out against each other or something. Um Saying that, uh, you know, using insider shoot terms on Adam Page, you know, which is essentially the exact same thing that got him all upset about Adam Page in the uh, first place. So you've got that. Uh, Now, he did apparently, CM Punk did apparently reach out to Adam Page basically as soon as the promo was over and apologized. Um, So there's that. Um, But there's also the report that. You know, CM Punk denies that he had Adam Page sent home and actually said that he, if he would have shown up, he would have tried to have worked an angle with him. You know, disregarding the fact that, you know, so far it assumes and seems to be that uh, the elite in general, including Page, don't really want to work with him because uh, he's, you know, bra- you know, brawl out happened. Uh, don't forget that- about
0: Okada. What about Okada? I'm sorry. Don't forget about Okada. Probably not wanting to work a pro, uh, program with him either because he said, well, I, so. I'm really good. F- he Well, he said this in an interview when asked about it. Well, I'm really good friends with the Young Bucks.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's just another factor. But like, you know, Holy hell, this is just the dumbest stuff I can think of right now. I, you know, before Dynamite last night, I was trying to dig all this up and I apologize if I missed anything. I think I I did my best to find all the different stories and summarize them all and everything. Um, but this is just so stupid. And I'm saying this on a podcast where you and I get together every week and talk for 1 to 2 hours about professional wrestling. I'm saying this may be this stupidest thing we've ever had to talk about on a show yeah. about people pretending to fight in their underwear.
1: And uh, just which, imagine
0: how much stupid punk stuff we've already talked about because before yeah. he returned we we would literally make fun of the fact that we had to talk about CM Punk again. And yeah. Again, and again. Oh, uh, that, that, that was
2: as frustrating as that was. I may have been even more frustrated last night when I was putting these stupid notes together. <laughs> I was just like I, what am I doing with my life?
0: Let's pull the our listeners behind the curtain here for a second. I did not watch Dynamite live as I as I don't when my wife is home at the beginning of the show. I watched the West Coast feed on the TBS app. And I said F when you sent me the notes, I said FYI. And have haven't watched Dynamite yet? And you're like, dude, have fun. <laughs> LOL. And oh boy. But
2: Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I did screen cap uh, you saying that and posted on the main channel of the uh, writer slack. And I said, photos taken moments before disaster. I don't know if you saw that,
0: but. uh, I did. That was phenomenal. Um, I do have to point this out because you did not mention it during uh, all your chats. Tony Khan is probably the biggest linchpin in all this. Oh, of course. After Punk's return, he's at Gorilla. And he chanted CM Punk. Look, this is a problem. I, okay. I will a-
2: defend that. I will defend that. That seems extremely Tony Connish to try to hype, like his way, very nerdy way of trying to hype up his guys as they're coming in or back from camera. I that's didn't bother me at all.
0: That part of the recording so, I thought
2: was a total non-story.
0: I think it, it is my a take. story. And let, let me explain why I believe it's a story, Fred, because it, it's – It's not as simple as a one-off. It's not as simple as, hey, this person did this, and that's what this means. The reason why I think this is a story is because he is... He's already been known to not have a backbone. And I don't necessarily know if that's the right verbiage to use, but he hasn't... he's, He's been doing a lot of things that haven't really been proactive in helping his company. And he allowed Brawl out to happen. He did nothing to stop it. And now all oh, of a he, sudden, was an oppre-
2: he was in a He was in a while it was happening. I can't, I don't think yeah. you can really
0: well, blame him for yeah. that.
2: And also what, what's Tony Khan going to do, rip his shirt off and start shooting. I mean,
0: yeah, you could be like, Hey, uh, all right. That's no. Enough, the aftermath or. is a different thing. Yeah. Like it, there have been a lot of struggles on his end. To control talent. And I think him acting like that can be a good thing, but I think it's also an ingredient to a bigger picture problem, which is Tony Khan just does not have enough control as a boss over the locker room and what happens within the walls of his company.
2: Yeah. It's um... a
0: symptom. It's not like it's not the problem, it's part of a bigger picture any you see it Claire? she agrees
2: <laughs> um i would say that we have officially reached too many cooks in the kitchen stage for aw um because you know one presumes that like all the big stars get input on their on their angles which that makes sense to some extent right uh but like you know depending how much control MJF has over his promos and how bad these pre-tapes are uh, which I don't know if that puts me in the minority but some of these are just really stinky uh, truly awful um, segments Uh, we've got CM Punk sending people home from um, from tapings uh, possibly unilaterally it's hard to say Um, we just I mean it's all this stupid stupid stuff um, and you know i feel like yeah, we've got all these people coming in that are being brought in to contribute backstage you know former wwe guys and everything and dynamite production like in terms of camera shots has really i think gotten worse in the past year like it's really bad at points um we have also got you know uh just really you know we we talked about we we've talked before about how they have a quality control issue where someone will do an angle and then um right away uh someone else will do the same basic angle like of a segment or two later and last night we had two segments that ended with someone teasing to hit their finisher on another face um and then deciding not to before doing like a stare down and we had uh two segments that ended with people left in pools of their own blood um, last night, and you know, like, the latter is a pretty basic thing. Someone gets beat down, I guess. I can't really complain about that too much, but I don't know, man. Like, I feel like for adding all these people backstage, things aren't improving. They're getting worse, and um, you know, Joe Lanza's talked about hearing People refer to this Adam Cole, MJF thing as AEW's bloodline. And obviously it's working. It's a very successful angle in general, but you can't tell me that it wouldn't be as successful if we had like, if we just dropped the pre-tape thing starting before last week's show so that we didn't have the last week angle or this one. And I thought this one's was the worst of the bunch. Um, just incredibly dorky. And... Um, you know at the same time we're basically at the point where MJF is uh like attitude era rock. Uh he can he can get ca- the crowd to chant kangaroo kick. I mean, you know, the guy is dealing, you know, he he's either dealing himself or you know someone's dealing him these turds and he's turning around and making uh and making uh chicken salad out of chicken shit. So, I don't know, man. It's uh, I you know, it's very funny. We have this ma- absolutely massive wrestling show coming up um, with the uh, with uh, all-in and Wembley and everything. And, uh, I mean, that's a massive, massive success. Um, and uh, now we, have you know, like the vibe I have right now coming out of last night's Dynamite is a really kind of depressed one. Because that show, uh, that show was rough. It was not good, and um, yeah, just a real bummer of a show, I thought, but we still got some yeah. other news to get to first before we really dive we,
0: into that. We do have some other news before we bury the living shit out of this company. Fred! <laughs> Lufisto.
2: Okay, listen. Right. You can make me write up the CM Punk drama. That's fine. I will do that. I'm not writing up this Lufisto shit. I'm not going back to try to research what the hell happened because I wasn't paying attention. Uh, she said some shit about how people were meeting in the AW r- locker room and then everyone in the world tweeted back at her. And now she's just fake tweeting in ways that don't even really make too much sense. I I do not care about the story. I cannot possibly care about the story. I will never care about the story.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, basic gist of it: she tweeted that the women's locker room was kind of cancerous. Like, I, this is generalizations because we we're not going to get into it because it's so dumb. The entire locker room told her she was wrong and dumb, and buried her under the sun. And apparently, she worked like a couple dark tapings. So outside, like. It feels like she's just really bitter that she didn't get a contract. That's kind of the tone of the tweeting. And then all of a sudden appears back on social media, um, tweeting a picture with CM Punk and basically claiming CM Punk is right. And you guys are all mean to him. Maybe you should just get off social media.
2: I, I cannot, I cannot care about any of this nonsense. It's so dumb. Um, it i just i'm i'm done I'm done with this story it's uh it's just absolutely nothing uh you know until something actually happens you know involving someone under the company but i I just refuse I'm done man you go ahead
0: talk about it i ain't going to, I'm done no that's honestly it like there's really nothing else to talk about it feels like and you know what we've been wrong before we could be wrong again. But it, it really feels like she's just bitter that she doesn't have a contract and she's just kind of going after the company. Uh, you know,
2: it, it's easy to see it that way. That. Uh, um, I don't know what exactly precipitated it and everything.
0: It's, you know, just unfortunate. Yeah, it really is. Um, let's go to the next piece of news. Um, we talked about injuries last week and more specifically Thunder Rosa. Um, she was scheduled to do a five-minute match at the a 12 collision. I wonder how much of that would have been a squash versus maybe a continuous write-off. Uh, but uh, she didn't end up making it. And, yeah, I'm very intrigued to see if and when she comes back because she's been dealing with this back injury for the better part of a, a year now.
2: hmm yeah, and uh, hopefully she is able to recover and bounce back, uh, bounce back well.
0: Yeah. Yep. And then next up, you'll see this in about eight months. But John Moxley worked the PWG's Mystery Vortex show against Titus Alexander. It it didn't even look like uh, he had ring gear. It looked like he was wearing suit pants. Yeah, which is just peak, peak, peak. John Moxley, um, other AEW talents, Kenoski Takesha, Roderick Strong, Eve who is a PWG lifer at this point, Ray, Phoenix, yeah. Ray Daniel Garcia also worked the show. So, yep,
2: yeah. um, you know, it'd probably be a pretty good one when it comes out. Uh, like you said, probably around uh, November, and uh, I may get to watch it in like I don't know, next March.
0: All right, this is where things get interesting. Executive Vice President Matt Jackson said on Swerve Strickland's podcast that he wishes wrestling had a union. What's really ironic about this is being that he's an executive in the company, he can't be in the union. Right. So, he can't really help with it. But he's right that there should be a union for these guys and girls. But it's just very interesting that he's saying this as an executive. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He, um, I was interesting. Uh, he's right. I mean, obviously, it would be, uh, I think, good for everyone involved if there was unionization in professional wrestling, but frankly, that's never going to happen. Um, so I just wouldn't, you know, hold my breath for that to happen at any point in the near future. Uh, but yeah, it was very interesting that he was the one to say that. I wonder if he got pulled aside afterwards at some point and was like, "Hey, buddy, Tony Khan here. Please don't say that about the company I pay Pete, you know money on."
0: Because obviously, it yeah. financially
2: benefits him to not
0: have that happen. Um, oh, it absolutely does. Um, it's it's just very interesting that he picked. Now to really speak up about, especially because he just signed um, a new contract. And for uh, based on everything we know, he still has an executive vice president title in his yeah, contract. One, one presumes. Mm-hmm. So that's worth noting. Let's continue on here. More injury stuff. Brian Cage missed real Triple Mania because of injury. He was in the ER on August 13th. And Heho Del Kingo is off of this weekend's GCW Homecoming shows. As he is injured, no word as of yet uh, unless you have something, Fred, as what the injury is.
2: I have heard nothing specific about either one. Brian Cage did say that he did not expect to be out very long. So there's that. Um, But, yeah. um, Other than that, I mean, I don't know how long either will be out.
0: Yeah. It's hopefully that... No, but nobody's out for a long time. Um, let's continue on here. TSM Plus is where you stream AEW in Canada, and it used to be free. Now it is $8 a month or $80 a year. And let's be honest, that, that's just the standard price of a streaming service, so that shouldn't be a surprise. Obviously, probably frustrating to Canadian fans who didn't have to pay for it but now have to. It's It's the cost of television these days.
2: Yeah, that's the, that's the deal. Um, not much else to say there. Um, go
0: ahead. Fred, I have an on-air question for you that you, that I just need you to pick a name. Okay? Okay. I am doing a college football fantasy draft oh, because God. I, I am a true sicko. I'm in like eight leagues. It's great. I love college fantasy football. Um, I have the fifth pick, and I'm going to take a wide receiver. Okay. I need Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malachi Corley. I need you to pick one for me. Uh,
2: I thought Marvin Harrison Jr. is supposed to be like maybe the best wide out in college football right now.
0: Yes, but fantasy can be different. And sure. Yeah. I'll, I will say Malachi Corley's from Western Kentucky, so yeah. those those are my two options of who of what I'm looking at. What would you do, based on your uh, extensive knowledge of the sport?
2: <laughs> I would I would Google who the Western Kentucky guy was. And um, I don't know, I would go with probably the guy that had the most opportunities is usually, you know, I mean, obviously the uh, the higher ceiling guys would be ranked higher. But if, you know, Marvin Harrison's only get like five targets a game, then that's a different issue.
0: They're ranked basically the same. Marvin Harrison Jr.'s projected to get 271 points and Corley two sixty-seven and a half.
2: Do you get uh, credit for the playoff? No, it it's just, okay, regular, regular season, season only. Uh what about the well there's a is there a, there's a conference USA championship game too, so that's not an advantage.
0: Regular season only. So technically that's playoff.
2: Okay, cool. Um man. Uh is either quarterback going to put up a lot of stats? Because I, I you you're doing this bit, I don't know much about, you know, either situation. Well, Malachi Corley's quarterback went second overall. Okay, that's a good sign. Um, yeah, maybe go with him. He would be playing against what one, one assumes weaker TV or weaker, TV, uh, weaker defenses. Um, so
0: there we go. We have Malachi Corley selected and I am
2: ready. Sorry about your continue. impending, uh, you know, winless season after my advice. Uh, Belzer's final forbidden door TV buys were down 1% from last year, though he doesn't have the numbers from Japan. Uh, but overall, he does think that it was up this year, 147,000 buys versus last year's 141. Cool.
0: Hell yeah. That's that's a win. Yep. All right, Fred. Uh, um, I'm going to blitz through this. Um, Dustin Rhodes was in Maui on vacation when the fire started. Um, he said he was two miles away. Luckily, he and his wife are fine. And yeah. um, awful, awful situation. Um, my my uh, sister in law's husband is from Hawaii. He is an, he is a natural born Hawaiian, and it's it's been really hard on everybody. Um, and he's not from Maui, but that doesn't matter. Um, it's just brutal what's happening out there, and yeah, it, an awful, awful incident. I've already donated a little bit to to the cause, and I know AEW's show last night they renamed Fight for the Fallen, and they gave every penny made from the show to to the cause, including um, the sponsorship of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Massacre Death Match. So. A and we're going to talk about that because it's there's a very intriguing element to this whole discussion. Um, but really cool gesture by AEW. Um, they have never had an issue being philanthropic throughout their entire history, and it's really cool that they're continuing that as they continue to grow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> now let's talk about this. Fred, you had a tremendous article come out earlier this week about Wikipedia. And attendance drama. So the basis of this is because AEW's all in is about to break the attendance record of professional wrestling. Some people have gotten real petty and have gone in and modified the top attendances in the history of professional wrestling to include multi-day events. What else did you find?
2: Well, it was, you know, launched pretty quickly, and then uh, it lasted for about the 24 hours before I wrote that article. And what someone had done is they decided that to, uh, well, whatever. It, it, you know, I can't really ascribe what their actual motivation was because they didn't declare it, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's awful sussy <laughs> that uh, someone decided, you know, two weeks before All Out, or, or all in to um, to combine like the multi-day attendances for the WrestleManias that had there were two days, and uh, make it harder for all in to be ranked highly, um, and also doing all that with you know kayfabe numbers that you know Vince McMahon himself has said, or for entertainment purposes only. Uh, Now, look, attendance numbers are hard to get for professional wrestling. It's not easy at all Um, because, you know, again, WWE's attitude historically has been that they're entertainment and they like to put fake numbers up there so they can claim these ridiculous, you know, records. Uh, What was very specifically suspicious about all this um, is, you know, like some guy was just doing it with the, uh, the WrestleMania numbers and was not combining, say, the multi-night New Japan Wrestle Kingdom numbers, which at least would have been consistent if nonsensical. Uh, and they were left up for a while. And uh, so I saw this going on and, you know, thought it was all very ridiculous. So I wrote an article summarizing the situation. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that at this point in time on the list of professional wrestling attendance records page on Wikipedia, that it has been improved a lot. Uh, what someone has done, or what people have done, I, sh- I think it's multiple people, they've actually divided the uh, the table into actual attendance and marketed attendance to differentiate between the two. Um, they have numbers for both where available. You know, some of the stuff's going to be very difficult to find. Like, there's a 1933 Jim Londo's and Cola Quariani match in Athens, Greece, that they're like, eh, the people say it was more than 80,000. But, you know, reports, if you look at the note, mm-hmm. it's like... Reports go from 60,000 to 125,000. Uh, stuff like that's going to happen. You know, and even with uh, WWE stuff, you know, it can be hard to find the real numbers. Uh, there's probably some reporting in the Wrestling Observer or other outlets that you can go back to. Uh, but, you know, they at least differentiate between the, you know, the, the WrestleMania 3 93,000 Hulk Maniacs thing and what really happened, which is probably 78,000. Um, so this is at least like actual true information which fills the uh, the uh, requirements of what Wikipedia is supposed to be there for (laughs) so at least I can uh, you know give them credit for all that
0: yeah my favorite part of the whole drama was um, fans putting a Comic-Con on there oh, yeah. that happened to have a match with Christopher Daniels versus Evil Uno. Yeah, because
2: uh, because someone put on there the SmackDown at the Rolling Loud uh, a couple years ago that was in the parking lot. And they are like, well, some article said they anticipated 250,000 people there or whatever it was. And so someone got sassy in response and added the uh, the Uno Daniels match that was at the uh, you know the video game convention or whatever it was. And uh, it's all very funny. Um, but both of those are fortunately removed now, so we can uh, move on from that. But yeah,' it's just uh, just so dumb in general. <laughs>
0: oh, it's a hundred percent dumb. And you know what? I love it.
2: I at love least it. at least it seems to uh, have been corrected at this point or you know addressed. So that's a plus, you know, at least they made it better.
0: Yes, they did make it better. And let's continue on here. All right, That's it for the news. Mm-hmm. so there's <laughs> two there's two ways we can go here, Fred. Yeah, would you rather? Talk about dynamite, or would you rather talk about where we're currently sitting for the all in build?
2: I think we got to talk about dynamite, man, because that show was uh, really notable in not a positive way.
0: Yeah, floor is yours.
2: Uh, that I don't know if that was the worst episode of dynamite ever I've ever seen. Uh but that being said, I think it very well may have been my least favorite episode of Dynamite I've ever seen. And it might be the worst. And I've I've seen every episode since the first, I think. Um there was some decent stuff on here, so I can't call the the entire thing like an absolute failure. There was too many successes to like, you know, go all out and just uh, completely bury the uh the show you know i thought the opener was a nice three and three-quarter star match uh i thought the darby allen tag match was solid at three and a half uh but you know on this show we also had a, a what i thought was the worst easily the worst of the uh adam cole mjf pre-tapes which i think are incredibly dorky in general you know there have been a couple spots where i you know had a chuckle at a at a single moment but you know in general i thought they came off really embarrassing to be honest just very low brow stupid stuff and then um this week where they went to an outback steakhouse uh to understand Aussie Open while Adam Cole made these stupid YouTube thumbnail faces and MJF invented the kangaroo kick to take out the Australian team that they're facing it's it's not good it was not good at all then they then they wackily clotheslined the the prop guy whose name i can't remember backstage into a a swimming pool and then we had Tony Khan actual wrestling character on AEW television for the first time the ones where he makes announcements those are different those don't count
1: in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now off again, that's arena club.com slash vow net, arena club.com slash vow net for ten percent off your first purchase on Arena Club, and we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of the Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast. door is unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with Ufy video lock search Ufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's Ufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door
2: But we have, this is the first, we actually have him as a, as a kayfabe character on AEW television. And that's something that I hoped would never happen, just because it would not add to the show. It would not be, uh, we, we don't need a uh, authority you know figure of that sort. We don't need to recreate the Vince McMahon angles from back in the day. We just don't need to do this, uh, copy and paste stuff, and I that was very disheartening to me to to see that happen. Um, because it just we don't need that on the show, we don't need to recreate the stuff that was successful 25 years ago, uh, and has been unsuccessful ever since. But everyone relied on it, we just don't need Tony Khan as a character, uh, because it would be best served to have him separated from. You know, being a character on creative so that he can handle creative fairly Mm -hmm. and not, um, you know, not with any kind of uh, um, impetus for him to put himself over anything. I hope this was a one off. Um, And this isn't a quality thing. uh, Objectively, I thought he did decent with his little bit there. I thought it was, you know, in a vacuum if I wasn't already pissed off, I probably would have found it kind of funny. Uh, But I was... I'm concerned about the fact that that was a thing they did, that they put him on the air as a guy, as a character. Uh, And then, after that, you know, we get an MJF Adam Cole in-ring promo, and their in-ring promos I like a lot. That was a a very good set-up-the-pay-per-view match promo. And then we got... What I think, if he's not, if it wasn't the worst match in AW history, it's in like the top three with the Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Hardy, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match. Um, it wasn't funny. It wasn't like funny bad. It was just bad. It was just incessant, aimless brawling all over the place uh, with a bunch of nonsense from other people. Uh, running in, and uh, with spooky lighting, and it stunk. It was awful. Um, I went negative one star on it, which I think may be the first negative star rating I've ever given an AEW match. Uh, And I just absolutely hated it. And then we had to go from that to, um, to basically, right away, we went to a very average Britt Baker bunny match, um and then after a short acclaimed house of black angle we had the young bucks and the guns and like i do think the young bucks are getting better in the ring i thought that they looked a little better tonight but that was still if not the worst tv match that the uh that the bucks have ever had it's up there it was just very boring um. Well, I. I mean, it was like three and a quarter stars. I can't say it was like really boring. What I should say is that relative to other young bucks matches, where they're like easily up in the four star you know, matches up in the notebook arena, uh, this was a real disappointment. And it was all just incredibly <laughs> frustrating after a pretty
0: good first forty-five-ish minutes of the show. So I'll say this: I work really hard. And I'm, I don't say that to brag or anything. I work 12 to 16 hours a day and my work. A lot of times is diving into my computer. Sometimes I take breaks like yesterday. Um, I've, I had found out a couple of days ago that the Pokemon trading card game on the game boy is now on the switch. I played a lot of that. And in between all my work, my audio responsibilities, my writing responsibilities, and By doing so, like, uh, it extends my workday a little bit, but I, I can take breaks sometimes. But I work really hard. And Dynamite is usually my time to unwind and relax. And it usually delivers because it's been a great television product for the better part of the last, I don't know, four years? Like, this show felt like a good episode of Raw. It, it just did not have the same energy. It did not have the same passion. And one thing that the narrative that was being driven home by some people last night was this show was all for charity. And we need to remember that all the money went to charity. Just because you're doing a show for charity doesn't mean you can't put on a good show. And I think that is what's being lost in this whole conversation. This was not a good show, Fred. This was. Borderline bad. I I liked some aspects. The Orange Cassidy, Wheeler Uta match, honestly, for what they could deliver was disappointing. Uh, I And it doesn't mean it was bad. It could have been better. could have been a lot better. And you have that. You have Eddie Kingston return, which I thought was really cool. And that was a, good that was a good segment. Yeah. Excalibur really put over that he was in a G1 and he did all this stuff. But now let's get into this. Because we're going to bury a lot of parts of the show. But there was a match made for All In. Lucha Brothers, Best Friends, and Eddie Kingston versus the Blackpool Combat Club and three of their friends. Any three they can find. In a stadium stampede match. Now, I highly doubt this is going to be cinematic. And it feels like an anarchy in the arena. But they're in a massive stadium, so they just... Named it that. One, do you think this will work in the context of the crowd and their enjoyment? Because I have no doubt that they're going to make this good because it's AEW. They find a way to make everything good and stuff like this. And two, who in the hell are going to be the partners for the Blackpool Combat Club? And let me throw out my guesses. Shooter, June Kasai, El Desperado.
2: That would be a hell of a trio. Now it's very, it would be very interesting for it to be a shooter on account of him being like an ultra baby face in New Japan. But you know, he but that is also
0: that hasn't mattered in AWK right, because he's already teamed with John Moxley multiple times. Yeah, when I was he's actually been getting, a
2: getting to that, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. Stop yelling at me. Um, uh, yeah, it hasn't mattered. I, I do think I just think it's kind of interesting. That's all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have all the faith in the world that, that, you know, this, uh, this, what I assume will be a pseudo anarchy in the arena match will be uh, pretty damn fantastic. Um, you know, and, and we've got all this, um, intrigue with who the mystery partners will be, but we also, I think it'll be a a damn good match. I mean, we had the 10 man tag at a forbidden door that was, I thought a five-star match. Uh, we had Anarchy in the Arena this year, which I think I went four and three quarters on. Um I, I fully believe that they'll pull this off. What I hope they don't do is a pre-tape. I think it would absolutely be the wrong thing to do to have a pre-tape match in an empty arena and show it to this this crowd full of 90-ish, however many, 80,000-ish people. I, I haven't checked the numbers recently, and I'm forgetting. Um But... Like they, they absolutely can't do that. And if they do that, that you know, I, I will bury them to you know to to the other side of the earth uh, for doing that. But assuming they don't, assuming they don't make a really stupid decision, I think this could really rock.
0: I think it could be really, really good too. And they have done such a good job with these chaotic big matches where yeah. it it doesn't matter, like. I remember being live at Full Gear, and it was the um, the Super Click, and I can't. I think they faced um, a trio from the Jericho Appreciation Society. I think that was the match, or maybe I'm, I'm misremembering who they were facing. But it was Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, and it was like a false count anywhere match, and they were brawling all throughout the arena. A lot of people didn't like it at home. It was fun as hell in the building because yeah. there was stuff going on everywhere. I was. Um, hard cam side about 20 rows up. You could see everything really well. I think that they're going to figure out a way to do this match to appease the live crowd and appease the television audience. They've done it before. I think they'll do it again. The two Anarchy and Arena matches, one of them, the 2022 match, was my match of the year. Sorry, it was my number three match of the year, and it was top ten in the Voice of Wrestling match of the year poll. The only two matches I had above it were dog collar matches. And yeah. that tells you what kind of great year it was for the dog collar. Like They have a history of doing a great job with these. And I think they're going to do it again. The whole and calling it stadium stampede, I think, is just like a placeholder term. It's not going to be what it was during the pandemic. Because they don't have to have it that way. They're going to do it, just a chaotic brawl. You're going to see some crazy shit. Moxley's going to bleed buckets. Kingston's going to bleed buckets. And I hope he finds a gas can because that would be a phenomenal callback. And this is going to be insane, especially if somehow Tony Khan decides to pull Despy and June Kasai into this because they're like Moxley adjacent at this point. And one of the things that Moxley has said, especially with the Blackpool Combat Club if you want to be with us, you got to bleed with us. Both mm-hmm. of them have bled with him. The, yeah. um, he's got that trio of matches with El Desperado that have kind of become somewhat legendary. Not, yeah, like, they, they rolled. They're phenomenal. And the tag match with Despy and Kasai, and then it was uh, Moxley and Homicide. Personally, that could be my number 10 match. either, like my vanity pick because it was so much fun. It was so good. And June Kasai and AW, like, that would be so much fun. Like that, I think Shooter's going to be involved no matter what. I don't know who the other two are going to be. But I think it's noteworthy that they're going to have three, three people joining them. And I can't really think of anybody else who could be that guy unless you're going to get like Chris Hero and reunite the Kings of Wrestling.
2: Yeah. Which yeah, that would fucking rule, by the way. <laughs> It would. That would be. That would be excellent. Uh, but yeah, I. Um, I just. I don't know who it's going to be now. Daniel Garcia, interestingly, uh, vague tweeted about how he was available. Um, I obviously, I'm a. I like Daniel Garcia a lot, so it'd be cool to see what became, you know, of that if he got involved. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to that match, and I think it's a great addition to the card, and also a smart way to uh, to bring in. Um, you know, a bunch of names to get on a match or get on, get a match on a show, I
0: should say. Yeah, 100%. And I think my one of my dogs might have peed next to me. So that's fun. Um, Hooray. I'll, I'll have to clean that up later. Anyways, let's continue because I think what's really important about the show is that they've continued to build for All Out. And let's jump, as you mentioned, Daniel Garcia. Let's talk about Chris Jericho. Jericho goes out and accepts Don Callis' proposal to join the Callis family. And Callis unveils a portrait of him holding on to Chris Jericho's head, thinking that he was going to tell him no. Now, all of a sudden, you have Jericho pissed off. Like, what the hell, Callis? And he's like, well, I thought you were going to say no. So I was just prepared for it. Well, then you have to catch the beat him up and then as Jericho is starting to turn the tables, you have Will Ospreay who has that loose affiliation with Don Callis from the build of Forbidden Door 2 and obviously Forbidden Door 2 as well. And there's rumors about an Osprey versus Jericho match and now we're going to get one. Will Osprey versus Chris Jericho at all in. I don't know about you. I'm thrilled about this idea in this match. And I thought it was interesting. I don't think this has been told before. It was supposed to be Osprey versus Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom 2021, but the pandemic ruined it. Yeah. I don't think that's been mentioned before.
2: Yeah. I, I had not heard that before or what have I had? It's been a while and I forgot. Um, but they, uh, I think that could be a very good match. I'm really intrigued because, you know, Jericho is at the end of his career, largely, and uh, his his uh, match quality is not what it was. And, you know, we're coming off of the, the two Omega uh, Osprey matches, which were both absolutely amazing. So it's not going to be as good as that, obviously. And it's important to keep that in mind so we don't come in with ridiculous expectations and then you know, walk away all disappointed because that'd be kind of silly. Um, but all that's being said, um, yeah, I think this could be really cool. I like the segment. I like the way that it kind of highlighted how both Callus and uh, and Jericho have been dopes. Uh, like they're both really kind of jerks in the kayfabe and uh, highlighted that a little bit. And, um, you know, I like the through line of Sammy Guevara continuing to stand by his friend. I thought that was uh, appropriate and well done. And, um, but yeah, I like this uh, this segment um, and I like the setup that it did. Um, let's see, after that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go through this segment by segment, but I will say that I love any time that Darby gets in the ring with the Gates of Agony. Uh, I think that's just a really fun combo. Uh, him literally bouncing off of uh, Toa Leona on the floor while doing a low pay. Uh, I do that spot every match because I love it. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I've already buried the MJF, uh, Adam Cole stuff and the Jeff Hardy, Jeff Jarrett um match um jeff Jarrett having a leather face belt was something for sure <laughs> um just uh just a bizarre bizarre visual um having anything- that
0: leather face belt was extra funny because Leatherface mm-hmm. actually chased off karen Jarrett.
2: yeah he turned on him but hey jeff still got that belt man he he commissioned that and uh, he's gonna hold on to that Um, And then I I actually kind of like both the Young Bucks FTR angles and the uh, acclaimed House of Black angles. Um, I do think that if House of Black wants uh, new gear, there's better ways of going about it than beating up other people and stealing theirs. Um, I don't even know if those Billy Gun boots will fit any of them. And, uh, I mean, they didn't even get to keep Andrade's mask, so it doesn't work out long term. You would have thought they would have learned their lesson. Uh, But, yeah, yeah. Kind of, that's the entirety of my thoughts. I am glad that we did not get yet another acclaimed jobber match. Um, it'd be cool if they, like, wrestled other people good at wrestling, you know, in longer than a squash format, since they kind of got squashed against Billy Gunn, or with Billy Gunn against them on Collision a couple weeks ago, which started this whole angle. Uh, Collision itself. Um, I'm just going to put over the Ricky Starks promo. I thought that was really good. And also, I uh, there was a little Bullet Club gold promo, and also uh, there was another good promo by uh, Christian um, and Samoa Joe. So, good promo night. Uh, before, Oh, I need to go back to Dynamite real quick. What was with the camera angles and the shots selected, not just through the whole night, but specifically on that Kenny Omega gets beat up pre-tape? <laughs> Like cutting in on Jim Ross looking all sad and stunned. Well, not even sad. He was just standing there like, ugh. Like that was a, a that looked like a Tim Robinson or an Eric Andre bit. Just it's truly terrible decision making there by
0: production. It's honestly crazy how poor AEW production has been lately, and uh-huh. the the Jim Ross shot I think was just to be like, I I don't know like this sounds kind of odd, but were they almost trying to capture a Jim Ross spot because he didn't know what to do. And like, like he doesn't, he can't really show expression on his face because he has Bell's palsy. And I'm wondering if they were trying to kind of elicit a, an interesting reaction from like a reaction shot from him just because of that uniqueness. Um, like maybe I'm, I'm looking too much into it, but the fact that they focused on him was very odd right? Yeah.
2: yeah uh, this whole thing was really weird to me. Um, it's, uh, it was so weird. And you've got all these, like, jump cuts to, like, five seconds later in the beatdown, like, it's, they're showing one part of it and then another one. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't even know what to say, truth be told. It was just kind of, it was super weird. Um, Speaking of super weird, um, Brock Anderson, man. Um, is he like great Gagne level of not having it from the super talented father? Because that Luchasaurus match on Collision was pretty darn bad. Uh, not nearly as bad as like You know, the the Jared Hardy one that I freaked out about or anything, but it was like well below average and almost entirely because of Brock. And I'm just wondering, like, if we if he ever makes TV again and if he does, like, it's almost certainly just because of who his father is.
0: I don't know if he's good or not, but I wonder if he was put on TV so early because they needed him because of the pandemic era. And if he wasn't necessarily supposed to be on TV yet, uh, because it feels like he's, he's got some of the core concepts down where, and this is where not having dark really hurts because you could just give Brock Anderson a dark match every single week and just let him work and continue to grow and get better and better and better. I don't know where he's at or what he's going to be, but it feels like he was put out too early. Does that make sense?
2: I mean, it does, but also it's been three years now since the pandemic. Like, at some point, you know, and he's not old or anything. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying that. He's he's 26. He's got, you know, roads in front of him. Uh, you know, he's been doing this for just two years. I can't say he's, like, actively bad or anything, uh, but he is... I, I just don't see what he... Projects out uh, outwards as as far as like positively. Um, it doesn't seem like he's got charisma. It doesn't seem like he's got in-ring skills of any real note. And um, you know, as far as just working like unless he was injured you know, between a May 13th uh, house show for AEW and last week's collision, he worked a grand total of one match according to Cage Match. I mean, I, I, you know, we've talked about this before, but one of the big weaknesses of AEW, you know, having such a limited schedule is the young guys don't work very often. And it doesn't seem like they're going off to work uh, the indies or anything with any regularity. So without that, I just don't know how he's supposed to get better.
0: I don't know either. And I think that's a really interesting uh, angle here one match on cage match that's wild well between those and, two shows but yeah like, over like three months geez well i guess uh, that's interesting but i i don't know what to think of brock anderson i we don't have access I, I do, it's, it's not like NXT 2.0 where they have the people in the performance center performing on live television regularly like we don't know what's going on at the nightmare factory and it's there's just so many different elements to this. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see, but let's continue on here, Fred. There's more to talk about. I want to talk about the finish to the MJF Adam Cole promo and Mm -hmm. the finish to Bucks and Guns because they have one really cohesive theme. Adam Cole is about to super kick MJF. The bucks were about to super kick FTR. And then they just had a good old fashioned, respectful stare down. The uh, The bucks went heel a little bit in the finish to the guns by um, cheating to get the win. But, and here's my thinking. I don't think they're going to be heels, I, but I think they're going to be heel leaning for this match. And I think that this was setting it up because I don't, I don't necessarily think you need to do this, but I think it's the path that they're going down because, look, you could just have the Bucks and FTR do the best tag teams of all time going at each other. That's all you need. But it feels like that they're doing something a little different where they're going to have FTR be the faces when in reality, probably they should be the heel leaners considering the association with CM Punk. But they get just mega, mega, mega reactions all the time. And that's, I think that's what we're looking at here. It, hey, Fred, tell me when I'm telling lies, baby. Uh, it's, but I, I also thought it was interesting that they did that. And Adam Cole straight up looks MJF in the eye and he basically plants the seed for the heel turn. I will do anything to win that belt. Yeah. Um,
2: what I thought was, uh, well, oh, going back to the the Bucks thing, I don't think that was a heel finish. I think that was them getting their revenge, which I think was uh, a baby-faced as- aspect of the cheating. Um, so that didn't strike me as them going heel. I don't know who will work heel in that match, and I kind of wonder if they're just going to wait to call it in the ring. Um, it seems like they're doing a lot of calling stuff in the ring with some rumors going around that, like, when it comes to promos, they're just basically hand a guy a bike and shove him out the curtain. Um, Yeah, I just, you know, I I think that uh, both angles are good, but, you know, I don't know that we need the teased finishes or teased turns or whatever in both of them. Uh, I just thought that was kind of sloppy.
0: Yeah. I think we're getting a heel turn from Adam Cole. And I, th- oh, I think to. He, I think he's joining the kingdom. But the one question I have now is, is Cole going to win the belt as, as a heel? And are we going to have MJF do a chase? Like how How is this going to play out? There's a lot of different elements that you can go here. And I'm real excited. Does Tony Khan have the balls to have Adam Cole win at Wembley? Give... Uh, England that moment, and then have MJF win it back at all out as and almost do that that quick of a switch.
2: i I frankly think that uh, you know, I laid this out last week, and I will stick to it. They have to have Adam Cole turn on MJF preferably on the pre-show to convince people to buy the the show because, you know, then you'll have the big uh, blow off of the match up to that or the feud up to that point with the actual match. Um I don't even know if I'd have any of the Aussie Open match. I I think maybe just during entrances have Adam Cole turn on and just beat him down as the pre-show wraps up. Uh but I think you definitely have to have
0: MJF stay face. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested intrigued to see what plays out here. Because there's there's a lot of, of really fun elements uh, to look at. I, the best part is I have no idea what's going to happen. And I think that's when pro wrestling's at its best, when a story is being told and it could really go in a multitude of directions. And then when something happens, it genuinely feels like a surprise and not like you're just waiting for it. We mm-hmm. think Adam Cole is going to turn. He might not. And I think that's, that's where some of this intrigue is.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, very interesting to see which
0: way they will go. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear what they, they should do. Yeah, I, I think it's very clear what they should do. MJF is arguably the biggest and most overstar in professional wrestling right now. And yeah, you you could make cases for others. But I'm saying it's arguable that it's MJF. And you you can't debate that. I really don't think he can. He, he is a a face-leaning heel at this point. And when he actually turns, he's going to be a face with some heel tendencies because he's the fan scumbag, as he said it a couple weeks ago. This is going to be a really fun 10 days to kind of see how this how this ends up working out. I want to run through the all-in card because we are uh, running out of time here as we continue to talk about it. And quite frankly, we buried so much of the show. The show was just not good. And I think we need to talk about hangman page and that let's do that first. And then we'll run through the all in card because that encompasses it. So obviously you have the Kenny Omega segment where he's sitting down with Jr. Don Callis comes out to cash um, comes out after bullet club gold attacks, Kenny Omega. And we know the history with Kenny Omega and Jay White. Jay White obviously took over as leader of the bullet club uh, upon Kenny's leaving new Japan pro wrestling. And Kenny took um, denied, coming to the Bullet Club initially at New Year's Dash in 2018 when Kenny presented him with a Bullet Club t-shirt. And then Jay just beat him for the U.S. title a month later at New Beginning. So they have a lot of history. Juice Robinson joins him and attacking Kenny. And then Hangman comes later in the show in front of an ambulance, which uh, signify hey, Kenny's at the hospital, saying, hey, you didn't finish the job. So it's going to be Kenny with two of his best – friends and tag team partners ever against to cash on of club gold in a six-man tag which two things here one or three things one hangman was drinking a beer in front of the hospital and he was told he couldn't do that which i thought was a a really nice touch because he he's an anxious cowboy and drinking a beer a lot of people do that when they're anxious two what do you think about this being a six-man tag and Kenny Omega not having a singles match at Wembley? I think it's a mistake, but I also get it because trios matches are kind of AEW's thing. They've they've really built up a lot of great trios, and they don't necessarily use the trios belts that well right now, but they really tried to put them over. They, do, they have a lot of six-man tags on television and on pay-per-views that do really really well as far as star ratings like, but you're not giving a brand new market on the biggest wrestling show of all time a Kenny Omega singles match I feel like that's a mistake
2: uh, uh, I don't think it's really that big of a deal given that you know any singles match you would have would be you know not be really close to the hottest match on the card Um, and so I, I think him being in this angle or this match, I think will be totally fine. It'll lead to him reuniting again with Kota Ibushi, who hopefully will have a better outing. And, um, I don't know. I like, you know, I, I think it's fine. I, I, I'm actually looking forward to the match and I think it's, uh, totally okay, uh, for them to do this.
0: Yeah, I think it's okay, but at the, I do think that you could do a, you could do a better one. You could figure out a way to do a singles match, and I, I think it's just, it's disappointing. It's it's just disappointing that you're not giving um, this new crowd a singles match. But look, it's gonna kick ass. It's gonna be great. We know that. It just, it feels like it was a missed opportunity, that's all.
2: Yeah. I mean, frankly, it's already one of the biggest shows in history. I don't know that you need to blow, you know, like another massive match with Kenny Omega there. I think you could have maybe done a lower level singles match, but also they just blew off Blood and Guts in the BCC angle, which went on forever, uh, like two or three weeks ago, you know, and that, that's an awful quick turnaround time. And, um... I think this is, you know, reasonable. I think this is okay.
0: Okay, let's go through this card because then we got to talk about the build here. So right now, this is the confirmed card. On the on the zero hour, Aussie Open defends the ROH World Tag Team Championships against MJF and Adam Cole. Eddie Kingston, Lucha Brothers and Best Friends versus the Blackpool Combat Club in three TBAs, which... It'd be hilarious if one of them was Satoshi Kojima in Stadium Stampede. Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay in the special singles. The Golden Elite, Kotobushi, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Page versus Bull Club Gold, Juice Robinson, Jay White, and Konosuke Takeshita. Darby Allen and Sting versus Swerve Strickland and Air Fox in a tag team coffin match, which Sting was awesome as Joker Sting with Prince Nana, like holding him hostage. That was a funny bit. I will, I will say that was probably the best part of the show. FTR defending the AEW World Tag Team Championships against the Young Bucks in a historic traditional women's four-way title match. Icaro Sheena defends against Tony Storm Soraya and the TBD is Dr. Britt Baker DMD. I will say that uh, Excalibur did make note that the ring jacket worn by Britt Baker down to the ring was the same ring jacket that she wore at All In. Which that's the, just what they should have said. Not call this this historic match. Look, the first ever women's match in company hit like canon, which would have been all in, was a four-way. So we're gonna do it here.
2: Yeah. Don't that's try to tell to... Yeah, don't try to tell me that these forgotten matches are actually secretly
0: really important or something. If you yeah. if you want to call it an all in tradition, you can do that. Just don't don't fuck with me and tell me it's an AEW tradition. It's not.
2: Yeah, I, I fully, uh,
0: 100% agree. There is, however, Fred, one match that is not confirmed yet, and that is CM Punk versus Samojo. I'm guessing we'll get confirmation this Saturday on Collision. So, that's the card. We're probably looking at... One, one or two matches for the main show still to be announced. And probably two matches to be announced on the pre-show.
2: And now, did, they, I would, did, did they say something about the Aussie Open match being the only match on the pre-show? So far, that is the only match announced for the pre-show. But I mean, like... It, I thought I heard something that kind of implied that would be the only
0: match. I have not. But Maybe I'm just tripping, but...
2: Yeah. I, I hope that they don't do the the talking heads bullshit for, you know, I've already got over this and how it really sucks um, to, to not have a proper pre-show. You know, those, those past pre-shows were a great part of the experience of AEW, and I, I don't want them to <laughs> drop all that so that they can uh, have RJ City and Renee talk for, you know, ever. Okay, I just don't want that. Man.
0: Yeah, I, I totally get that. I get it completely, Fred. Let's. It's. I'm intrigued to see how this card finishes up. But for all the annoyance and stuff, we have almost an entire full card earlier than normal, and that's not something that we we've been used to with AEW. And I like the fact that this is where we're sitting. Um, but Russell takes last update. They had officially cleared eighty thousand. I'm going to pull up Russell ticks right now to see if we have another update because that is it's it's very very interesting to kind of see how this looks. Diamond Rampage, WrestleMania pre-sale. They did all. They've already sold a lot of tickets. Good for them. All right. Last update was August 13th. Um, I'm assuming we'll probably get one um, pretty soon. Um, Of current setup, 84,048 tickets, 80,056 tickets have been distributed. Just under 4,000 are are available. And it looks like pretty much every section has been open. in, In on this show. So that's, that's really cool. Um, I think the only ones that haven't been open are the ones like directly behind the stage, because I don't see any dots. Yeah. But look, I think those may even get open, and they may just have to flatten out the stage just to try and get more people in the building because it's it's going to be a special special show. Yeah, uh,
2: it's going to be a hell of a show, and it's really exciting.
0: Yeah. Anything else about this company and how frustrating it is to watch this product right now? Before we move on and talk about something cool.
2: No, um, I think that's uh, that's about it um, as far as AW this week. I did think Collision was a solid show, but honestly, I don't know that I need every episode of Collision end in like a 25 minute CM Punk match that's like three and three quarter stars. You know.
0: Yeah, it's. I don't know if Punk doesn't have it anymore but it's very frustrating to watch some of these long punk matches. It's There's just something missing. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's he just needs to fully turn heel, but I'm very intrigued to kind of see what, what that's going to end up looking like. Uh, but let's talk about something special we have going on in Voices of Wrestling, Fred. Yeah. Yesterday, on Wednesday the 16th, it, we released started our releasing our project The VOW 30 under 30. Now, if you remember, we buried ESPN's list of the best 30 wrestlers under the age of 30. So, we decided we could do it better. 22 VOW contributors with varying uh, wrestling preferences and um, knowledge bases combined together to create the most comprehensive best 30 under 30 list across all of wrestling media. And... You've got people who are experts in Joshi, Impuro, um, Lucha, American Television, British wrestling. You name it; there, is, there are people who have watched it all, and not every one single person can have watched it all, which is what makes a compilation list of something like this very difficult. But when you have twenty-two people who have such a varying levels of expertise across the world, I think it, it's it's going to end up being the best list out there and there are going to be omissions because there's a lot of talented wrestlers out there friend but i'm really excited to continue to see this project grow and you and i both contributed
2: yeah we did uh we both had our top 30 ballots cast and um i don't know it was just really hard to just uh come up with uh just 30 guys or 30 people really uh to include on this i'm currently looking through uh who didn't make it for me and it's you know i mean it's a tough
0: list um the one glaring omission for me was master watto
2: see i couldn't fit him in um and i like him a lot but i just couldn't find a spot for him uh i think that you know i've already seen some early like i don't i can't believe that these people didn't make it you know posts um and uh, i mean some of them are like i i can't believe you don't have dominic mysterio on there and i'm like i've never gone that's not a thing that's gonna happen man um no uh but at least not for me i can say uh Now, um, Rhea Ripley got a lot of credit from me for uh, her contributions and what I think is really the talent of that act. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going through right now to see who I had on my ballot that didn't make it. And, I mean, you know, there's some... My, my number seven pick didn't make it. Uh, you know, it's just a tough list. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, you know, I've been trying to watch some DDT recently just to get a taste for that promotion. Cause I haven't watched it before. And um, you know, I, I, if they hadn't have started posting this yesterday, I would have asked to possibly change my ballot to include Mal. Um, I think he's really great in a future top, like high level star. Um, but uh, looking at my ballot now, I don't know who I would have put them in over because it's just that jam packed uh, full of people.
0: Yeah, it, this was an incredibly hard list to do, and we're going to talk extensively about our lists next week because we want to give uh, everybody the whole list a chance to release first before we end up doing that. And I'm. I- I'm really excited to see how some of these guys end up uh, shaking out because there is a lot of really good talent. Um, But like I said, like I did not have um, some Joshi wrestlers that I know a lot of people had. Uh, Like I didn't have Azumi, I didn't have Starlight Kid. I did have Julian Hayashishita on there because I think their work is just phenomenal, and it, it it also amazes me how young some of these Joshi wrestlers are, Fred. Oh yeah. Because like Riho has been wrestling for what 12 years since she's 28 years old? Something, Something like, that, yeah. like that. Like some of these women just they get such a young start, and it's it's just different from what we are used to in American culture. Because like people would be like, Billy Stark shouldn't be going to these shows because she was like 15, 16. Well, I will say I didn't have an issue with it. Her dad took her to these shows. Her dad was with her the whole time. And to me, that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. It's, it's just a different kind of culture, which ends up having some of these women be like 21 years old. And they're like prodigies, like, but they're farther along than like prodigy Nick Wayne. It's, it ends up being something pretty incredible. And, I'm intrigued to see how this list ends up shaking out because there are so many diverse voices contributing, which is better than anything else anybody has produced because there's so many of like high end wrestling media there. It's are so WWE brained and they're, they don't have enough knowledge of other promotions because other promotions don't bring in money.
2: Yeah. And like, you know, it's it's hard to keep up on everything. I try to watch as much as I, I can. I have nearly 800 matches ranked this year. And there's guys on this list. I mean, I had to do just a couple of outright reputational votes. People that I haven't actually watched work. But based off their success and what everyone's saying, I felt like I could not leave them off my list. Uh, Mascara Dorada uh, 2.0 being, you know, a good example of that. Um, I just haven't been able to get to CMLL yet. Uh, I don't know if I will. There's so much freaking wrestling to watch, you know, if you're trying to keep up with stuff.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It's objectively good. And we're going to see how this kind of all shakes up. That's going to do it for our show today. We are going to talk more about that next week, including next week, a full preview of all in the biggest Wrestling show of all time. I don't know if you've heard that enough on EW television, so we're going to say it. And make sure that you continue to like, subscribe, follow us. Um, you can follow me on social media at The Real Forno. You can follow both of us at Blue Sky, um, myself at The Real Forno, and Fred at Flagrant Stats. Make sure you subscribe to Fred's Patreon in the show notes. And also my Vikings-centric YouTube channels. I am the... Um, Managing Editor of USA Vikings Wire and host my own show, The Real Forno Show, every Monday and Wednesday night. You can also follow us and talk to us in the VOW Discord, which is a really fun place. And we have some good conversations with some of our listeners there. And we want to continue to grow that space. And if you love us so much that you just feel like we deserve money, there is a link in the show notes to donate to the show as well. Thank you very much for listening. Please. Go and subscribe to our solo feed, The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry, and we're going to continue to bring you the best AEW discussion out there in the world of America in our own fun, chaotic style because we, we have a show format, and we rip it up every single week. We just have a lot of fun talking. That being said, I'm Tyler. That's Fred. Women are our favorite guys. <laughs> Take care, everyone.
2: Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here.